The debate is ending right now. I missed the last two minutes because I had to get in here and put in my earpiece and put on my microphone and get smacked with powder so I don't look shiny for you good people. Well, I think that was sort of just kind of what I predicted this morning. Not to say I told you so, but I told you so. Before we get into any of the specifics though, and I want to find out uh, what you guys were eating and drinking during this event, I was drinking tequila. We got a nice sipping tequila here. Friends the other night brought us this great fancy bottle. I don't even know what this is, but I was told it's a very fancy bottle of tequila and we were sipping it the other night and it was a long night. And that's what I'm gonna be drinking with you people. And I got one of my fancy ice cubes. I know last time I had a fancy ice cube, I had a Stormtrooper uh, helmet ice cube. I believe this is the Death Star. You know, we're, we spare no expense in terms of ice around here. And I'm gonna be doing a little tequila with you guys and talking about politics. Arriba, arriba, okay, here we go. Um, all right, first off, what I predicted this morning and what I said online for the last couple of days basically was that Trump needed to do one thing tonight and that was be presidential. That was it, that really was it. And if you hate Trump, if you like Trump, whatever it is, I'm pretty sure you can acknowledge that he was presidential tonight. He didn't attack, he didn't speak over anybody, he was respectful of the moderator, he was actually pretty respectful of Biden, and I think this was for the group of people who I still think haven't decided. What I think those mostly are, are lifelong or long-term Democrats who are finally going, I've had enough of the Democratic Party, I don't believe in this thing anymore, and I don't like this crazy left thing coming behind Biden but I'm still a little nervous about Trump. I understand what that is. And that was me for a long, long time. And I suppose one of the reasons that you guys watch this show and, and listen to some of the things that I talk about is that I've been open about my own political evolution. And I'm not sitting here as someone that's got a laminated uh, you know, Republican card. Like I don't, and I, would, and I don't really consider myself part of any party at this point. Although if I was to look at the two parties, which which of the two parties is more in line with the things that I now believe about getting the government out of my life? Well, that's definitely the Republican Party. They ain't that good at it either, but, it, but it's certainly better than the Democratic Party. But I understand the feelings of those people who have sort of had it with the Democrats. It's why the walk away movement has become so powerful. It's why the black voices for Trump and Blexit movements have become so powerful and many other movements like that. It's, it's why there was a poll out from a week ago uh, with more than 1,200 respondents, which is pretty solid for one of these polls. Often they'll show you an NBC poll and it's got like 600 people and they'll tell you that that's somehow an indicator of something much wider. Uh, but there was a poll out last week that something like 45% of gay men are gonna vote for Donald Trump. So the, the traditional groups that vote Democratic either are not gonna vote Democratic or are really struggling with it. And I think all Trump really had to do tonight, 10, 10 or so days before the election, was be presidential because he was not presidential in the first one. There's, there's no doubt about it, right? And, and there's reasons for it. I think you can make actually pretty solid reasons for it because he was debating Chris Wallace as much as he was debating Joe Biden. And, and we can get into all of that stuff, but that's already behind us at this point. I think he had to show people that he's competent, that he cares, that he knows what he's doing and the rest of it. And I think he basically did do that tonight. Now, 
Before I get to Biden, let me just say a little more on that, which is that part of the problem, and I've been telling you guys this for quite some time now, is that we are in a reality war. That is what this is. People think we're in a political war or a cultural war, but what I really think is that we're in a reality war, and that reality war contains battles like the political battle, which we're seeing, that's what tonight's all about, and the cultural battle, which is about our institutions and colleges and what Hollywood puts out and everything else. But, but the reality war is the thing up here, and then the, the battles, the political battles, cultural battles are beneath it. And by reality war, I mean that, in effect, if you, if you were watching that debate tonight, and depending on what you're watching right now, if you, I'm assuming you're watching this, a lot of you guys obviously watch these on mobile devices, but it's, it's late night now in most places, so you're probably watching at a computer. Uh, maybe you're watching this on Apple TV or something, but you also might have a TV in the room. And the things that I'm gonna say here directly to you, which just come out of my brain, con tequila, are gonna be very different. It's a very different type of conversation that I'm having with you, and I believe it to be a conversation, than, than what you're gonna see on MSNBC, on Fox News, on CNN, or ABC, or, or elsewhere. We watched the ABC coverage for a few minutes before the debate, and George Stephanopoulos, this is the head anchor, the head news guy at ABC News, and he was Bill Clinton's communications director, okay? He was a Bill Clinton staffer. Do you think he's a Democrat or a Republican? I mean, every person that they ha had on there, except for the exception of this one woman, was clearly a Democrat. Turn on, turn on any of the network news, and it's all Democrats, and they're obviously Democrats. Um, so they, they don't wanna give you something fair. So I'm trying my best truly to give you something fair while at the same time telling you that I'm obviously voting for Trump and I think that the left has gone completely bananas and I think that Trump is, is basically the last chance we have to stand up against big tech, to stand up against the radical leftism that's rampaging through the institutions and I don't think Biden can do it. Now, now Biden did have an interesting moment tonight where he said, I beat those guys, the implication, like I don't believe in any of that crazy leftist stuff either, even though at the same time, all of his positions are suddenly becoming Bernie's positions. And if you look at Biden's Twitter, it's clearly been taken over by a Bernie type person because it's just meaningless Bernie slogan after meaningless Bernie slogan. But, but what's interesting here and why this is a tough move for Biden is if he's saying, well, I'm not those guys, I'm the moderate, well then the base hates you, man. And Actually, I think in a weird way he'd like it if the base hates him because that would at least be passionate. There's no passion behind behind Biden, um, and passion, whether hate or love, are usually good in politics one way or another. It keeps it keeps the machine going, right? The indifference to Biden, I think, is the bigger problem. So, so just to clean up on the Trump part, so Trump, I thought, effectively composed himself, was presidential. You either you either agree with what he said or don't. The reality war part of this is when he's saying things about Hunter Biden and the laptop, when he's saying things about the economy, when he's saying things about all-time low black unemployment and Hispanic unemployment and the rest of it, well, I know that most of those things are true, right? And as, as Scott Adams says, Trump is directionally true, meaning sometimes he exaggerates things, we all know that, right? The biggest, the best, the blah, 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 but he's directionally true, that the basic thing that what he's saying is usually true and then he, he uh, you know, he paints around the edges, let's say. Um, now you're gonna believe that if you listen to a certain type of news, but if you listen to mainstream news, you're gonna hear all of that filtered through people that are gonna tell you that everything he said there was lies. The best example I can give you of this, right this very moment, like 20 minutes before the debate tonight, 
there's a woman by the name of Simone Sanders. She was Bernie Sanders' campaign manager. I actually met her at a, at a 2016 um, debate when I was trying to get Bernie on the show. And I was in the, like the, they call it the spin room because that's where they feed you nonsense, basically. Um, I was in the spin room and, and she was there and I said hi to her and I was trying to get Bernie on the show. We exchanged a bunch of emails and then it just didn't go anywhere. And by the way, I was a, I was a lefty at the time. Um, but she was on MSNBC about 20 minutes before uh, the debate and she said, that if, if Trump talks about Hunter Biden and the laptop, et cetera, et cetera, that he's going to be giving Russian disinformation. Now the head of the national intelligence, the director of the national intelligence, Ratcliffe, he has said, and it's even on cnnfreaking.com, that there is no reason to believe that this laptop story is Russian misinformation. So this is why I talk about a reality war that, that is bigger than the, the cultural war or the political war because depending on what news you watch and, and who's, what sources you get things from and whether Twitter will allow tweets to be up to say some things but not others, the war is about reality. It's just not about politics. So for example, the New York Post story, I know most of you guys know this, but this New York Post story about Hunter and the, and the laptop and everything that happened with Ukraine, I don't need to even get into all the nitty gritty details right now. New York Post has been locked out of Twitter for six days. Well, congratulations, Twitter. You have amplified the story. You've shown that big tech censors, and you've shown the light on the fact that everyone else is allowed to lie about everything, right? And, and we're allowed to expose things all the time without proper sources, Trump's taxes, for example. Like, we're always allowed to do it, except not this time. So that's why the reality war is here. And, and I, what I fear more than anything else, truly, what I fear more than anything else is that if Trump loses, that's it, that's it. They'll never, Trump has mapped out for people on the right, conservatives, libertarians, whatever. He has mapped out how you fight the monster. And he mapped it out either fully by design or by accident, or it, it feels like some crazy science fiction story, but he became president, this orange hair plug guy, he mapped it out, he became president, he fought back. And now the system is reconfiguring itself through big tech and censorship and through mainstream media and the democratic establishment, those are the big three things, and they're all fighting against it. And we have an election in 10 days to decide, do you wanna be censored forever? I mean, even, so let's move to Biden for a second. So Biden, you know, for the first 20 minutes, they talked about coronavirus, which by the way, I, I vaguely remember, I think someone told me this, uh, Fauci said if you sip tequila, that's the number one cure of, uh, of coronavirus, so. Yeah, yeah, I can feel it going away. Um, they were talking about coronavirus at the beginning and Biden repeatedly said what he has said consistently throughout, which is something to the effect of, we'll continue the lockdowns, we'll be in, I would have done a nationwide lockdown. Um, these are not good things. These are not good things. Do you wanna leave your house again? Like Biden's campaign slogan basically should be, Joe Biden, live in your basement. I do. Like, what? what is he saying? Nobody. What are you more affected by? I mean, really think about this. This is what Trump should have said. Trump should have turned to him when he said that and said, or he should have said it to the camera because Biden's very good at that direct to the camera thing. You know, I don't know, the American people, they're at the kitchen table and they don't have tires or I'm in Scranton or whatever he always says. But what Trump's response to him needed to be to the average person, he needed to say, hey, listen, we understand that that coronavirus happened, that it's happening, we're not done with it but we can't fully end our lives, which is partly what he said, but then he needed to say, which has hurt you more? Think about the difference in your minute to minute life. 
which is affecting you more? The fact that there's a virus out there that 99.9% of people recover from and usually only kills old people, and that's not to diminish anyone that has died from it or been sick by it, and I know people that have been sick by it, I know several people around my age who got it and then recovered, I do. I know one person uh, who was about 85 who did get it and, and died from it. Um, so it's not to diminish any of that, but think about what has happened to our lives. The restaurants that are closing, the sneaker stores that are closing, the malls that are closed, bowling alleys, movie theaters. We have fundamentally changed this entire country, destroyed lives. We know that alcoholism is up. We know that suicide rates are up. All of these things, these are all true things. And those are results of our actions dealing with coronavirus, okay? We can fix this thing, meaning we have to go out there and in life, there is some risk. Ben Shapiro was on my show probably back in May or so, and he said something that was very obvious and very true, and it was the number one trend on Twitter because the losers at Media Matters made it sound like it was something it wasn't. In effect, he said, there's going to be some risk to reopen. We can never get it to a place where we have an absolute cure or zero people are gonna die or nobody's gonna get sick. That is just a fact. Life is about risk. And you're not gonna believe this, and this is in effect what Ben said. There are people called actuaries, and do you know what they do? It's a very, very boring job. My friend Brian's an actuary. He's the most boring guy I know. And he, all day long, looks at equations to figure out the person's age, the person's height, the person's weight, the person's habits, do they smoke, do they do drugs, family history, how much can we insure them for? What is, what is house insurance about? Do, you know, if, what, if you have a big house, that's in a, on a top of a hill and the foundation ain't great. Well, you're gonna probably have to pay a lot in insurance. Well, there's risk. There's risk in life. That's what it is. And we are going to have to open up again or we can just live underground forever, which it sort of is sounds like what Biden's saying because we have to open up again. So this idea that I'm, not only am I gonna fix it, but it's gonna be a national fix when we know that obviously what's going on in New York is way different than what's going on in Omaha. Um, it's, it's such a crazy proposition. Think about it, you person watching this on YouTube right now, which has affected you more, the virus or our response to the virus? We have to open up the country again. We need to let people live again. Lines to get into stores, even now, just going in. I, I had a dentist appointment today, okay? I had my teeth cleaned today. I had to wear a mask while sitting in the chair before the cleaning. Now, I did most of the cleaning with my mouth open, right? You're like, ah, okay. And they're sticking things in your mouth. There's two women in there, some other guy walked in. But I had to sit with a mask in the chair before they got in there. None of this makes any sense. They took my temperature when I got in. They asked me some questions. I wasn't sick. Why are we, why are we shutting down everything and changing our way of life? So if you wanna live this way potentially forever, because that's, they seem to want to eliminate risk altogether, and then I suppose you should vote for Joe Biden. Uh, I think Trump could have hit that a little bit harder. He hit it a bit, this idea that we have to open up again, but I think he could have he really made the point. But I think, but this is sort of nitpicking a little bit. Um, so let's, let's throw to some clips though, because there, there was a lot happening there, and I don't want to just pontificate on my feelings about the whole thing. I want to show you clips and analyze clips. Uh, so first, this was this was around the Corona stuff at that beginning portion. Uh, this was a little Trump zinger. He didn't have too many zingers tonight. There weren't there weren't a lot of zingers. It wasn't a night of zingers. Although Biden had the line, uh, what was it about the the dog whistle the size of a foghorn? 
yeah, he, obviously the quartermaster is his comedy writer. I mean, it's like, where are you getting these references? And Biden's thing about you're sitting at the kitchen table and you can't find your toaster and your clock is missing and your sister's wheels aren't on her car. Like none of that stuff works anymore, man. It just feels man. You know, he goes man at the end. And, Come on, man. It's like you're trying to be human, Biden, but 47 years in, it doesn't really work anymore. Anyway, let's throw to a rare moment of a zinger by the president. Reaction? I say over soon. I say we're learning to live with it. We have no choice. We can't lock ourselves up in a basement like Joe does. He has the <laughs> he has the ability to lock himself up. I don't know. He's obviously made a lot of money someplace, but he has this thing about living in a basement. People can't do that. By the way, I, as the president, couldn't do that. I'd love to put myself in the basement or in a beautiful room in the White House and go away for a year and a half until it disappears. I can't do that. And there's your basement line for you. I mean, it was it was a pretty solid line, and and Trump had it prepackaged and and ready to go. Um, but I thought it was it was emblematic of sort of what I'm laying out there. Like, do you want to live in your basement forever? Pretty much. Like putting aside like them hiding Biden for the last couple of days, and they obviously hide him to rest him up. And it's like I don't know how, what they're drugging him with, or how they're keeping him focused, or is he snorting Adderall right before he goes on, or like I don't know what they're doing. But like he he didn't lose his train of thought too much. He had one or two moments where it seemed like it could just spin out of control. You know, he has those senior moments where he's talking and he's stumbling and stumbling and you can sort of feel like it's gonna just like cascade completely disastrously, but but it never did, it, it never did. And I think that, as I said this morning, I think that this format was, was, although I think they did it intentionally to hurt Trump so that he couldn't, you know, sort of be on the attack as much, I thought that there was a chance that it would hurt Biden more because Biden would have to do, you know, these two, three minute speeches where that's where he tends to lose his words and everything. He didn't really do it. There were some moments where it was a little dicey, but he, he didn't really do it. Uh, but let's jump back to the, to the lockdowns. This is Trump, this is clip two, uh, Trump talking about why we can't close up the nation. Kirsten, every, t every meeting I had, every meeting I had, and I'd meet a lot of families, including Gold Star families and military families, every meeting I had, and I had to meet them, I had to. It would be horrible to have canceled everything. I said, you know, this is dangerous. And you catch it. And, you know, I caught it. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Great doctors, great hospitals. And now I recovered. 99.9 of young people recover. 99% of people recover. We have to recover. We can't close up our nation. We have to open our school and we can't close up our nation or you're not going to have you know, on watching that clip again, and I've got the text of it right here, I actually want to slightly backtrack on what I was saying a few minutes ago, because I was basically saying that Trump didn't hit hard back enough on this idea that we have to open up. But the line, we can't close up our nation or we're not going to have a nation, is pretty good. I, th I think there's still a way to make it feel a little more personal, not doing the hokey kitchen table thing, but really kind of connecting it with people about how their lives have been affected and how their lives have been in, in many cases destroyed. I mean, I'm not making this thing up about the rampant rates of alcoholism and suicide and everything else. I, I'm also noticing, I don't know if you guys are noticing this, I'm noticing a lot of people who've gained a lot of weight in the midst of this whole thing. Like, you know, people are, are eating worse, you're not getting out as much, all of those things, you're not going to the gym, right? Like I, I have a elliptical machine here, I try to get out there for an hour a day, uh, but you know, it's like not everybody has that luxury. So I'll slightly, People don't do this on uh, on the YouTube or on television, but I'm gonna slightly walk back what I said earlier, because I think maybe Trump did a slightly better job of it than I thought. Um, then they got into the, the Hunter Biden stuff and, and some of Joe's deals. Now, 
I don't want to get into the minutia of this at some level because in a certain way, it's like we've all got problems in life right now. Like we've got the lockdown situation. We've got COVID. We have we have racial strife, although I don't think it's real racial strife. I don't think we have real racists running around. I think we have people who purport to be anti-racists who are telling everyone they're racist. So we have sort of a reverse racist uh, <laughs> with a reverse racist lens that we're looking looking at the world through, which is which is pretty weird. Um, but they started getting it. So I'd rather focus on on those things in a certain way. But Trump was trying to hit uh, Biden on some of the stuff involving Hunter, but also the fact that Biden has made a lot of money as president, obvious as vice president, as senator, obviously. Um, this is what they do, right? Like they use their power for a while and then they make all sorts of money. I assure you that Barack Obama is making a ton of money right now in books and advances and his deal with Netflix and, and all sorts of other things. And I'm not even saying that that's so terrible. It's like if you were the president of the United States and you make some money after like, okay, so be it. Now, I suppose at some level, if you're using all of your connections to do those things, then it's problematic. I don't really like the word problematic. I don't know why I said it. I think it was the tequila. Um, but you know, it's like the media has focused so hard on Trump's kids, right? Trump. He, Donald Trump Jr. is on the campaign trail for him and Ivanka does this thing in the White House and Jared Kushner, blah, blah, blah. Now, Jared Kushner did start doing the peace in the Middle East thing and uh, you know Trump's children actually are, are huge defenders of him, but they also were private citizens before all of this. It's very obvious, like this is just the truth. This is not left, this is not right. It is very obvious that Hunter Biden got a job at Burisma because of his dad's connections and then took a job that he was not qualified for in any way for $50,000 a month at least. Some people say it was more actually. And then leverage that, leverage that because of his dad's connections. Now there's these emails on this computer and the FBI is saying there's no reason to think it's Russian misinformation. So do we believe the FBI or not? Do we believe the acting intelligence director or not? Well. You can go on MSNBC, as I said earlier, and be a Biden spokeswoman and say that it's Russian misinformation and no one on MSNBC is gonna correct you. Again, brings us back to that reality war I was talking about. Uh, so let's talk, let's throw to clip number three, and this is Trump uh, talking about how Biden owes an explanation about, about all this stuff. I sold, while he was selling pillows and sheets, I sold tank busters to Ukraine. There has been nobody tougher on Russia than Donald Trump. And I'll tell you, they were so bad. They took over the, the submarine port. You remember that very well. During your term, during you and Barack Obama, they took over a big part of what should have been Ukraine. You handed it to them. But you were getting a lot of money from Russia. They were paying you a lot of money, and they probably still are. But now, with what came out today, it's even worse. All of the emails, the emails, the horrible emails of the kind of money that you were raking in, you and your family. And Joe, you were vice president when some of this was happening, and it should have never happened. And I think you owe an explanation to the American people. Why is it? Somebody just had a news conference a little while ago who was essentially supposed to work with you and your family. But what he said was damning. And regardless of me, I think you have to clean it up and talk to the American people. Maybe you can do it right. All right, so again, the question on a clip like that is how much do people actually care about this stuff? Do we just expect our politicians to be corrupt, which most of, the, most of them are, 
And if so, then do you actually care if Biden did all this stuff? And then beyond that, do you even get the information that any, do you even buy into the fact that any of that could possibly be true? And that, that is the question that remains to be answered. I, I just don't know where people fall on that. I, I just don't. That's one of those ones where it's really hard to bust out of your echo chamber. It's like it can feel very big to some people, right? If you're, if you're on the right right now, you're right-leaning, this Hunter thing and the emails and the money and all that, it seems very big. And if you're on the left, well, you probably just don't even hear about it. So how, how do we have a national conversation about anything? Again, that's, that's the biggest issue of the day. That is the reality war. So we've got, we've got two more clips for you. Uh, that were two of my favorite moments. Both of these were, were sort of spectacular. Uh, let's go to clip number four. This is Joe Biden, and I have a feeling he's not gonna be invited to uh, Thanksgiving dinner at the Obamas anytime soon because he just threw Barack under the bus. Here we go. What I'm gonna do is pass Obamacare with a public option, become Biden Care. The public option is an option that says that if you in fact do not have the wherewithal to be, if you qualify for Medicaid and you do not have the wherewithal in your state to get Medicaid, you automatically are enrolled, providing competition for insurance companies that's what's gonna. Uh, that's the cult of personality of this stuff for you. It's not Obamacare anymore because Obamacare didn't really do it. Sure, it was the thing that we said was the best thing ever and it was Obama's trademark sig signature moment of his entire presidency and I was vice president for it, but yeah, that thing, he did forget about a couple things. So we're gonna do Biden care. Uh, yeah, I mean, all right, so we're gonna do it or not. But this is also where they got into the thing about pre-existing conditions and Trump is saying that his plan will have it. Biden's, Biden is saying that no, it's not gonna have it. And again, it's like, well, who do you trust? Who do you trust? I don't, I don't, I actually don't know which one to trust on this. Like, it's like, I need to see the plans. We need to actually see what's gonna happen. But just cause they say things, I mean, and again, this gets to why the Biden thing is so sort of ridiculous at so many levels. You, got, you had 47 years to do all of this. Why didn't you do any of it? If you have all the plans, right? You got all the plans, you got all the paper. I know how to do this, I know how to do this. We can move this here, carry the one. We're gonna get this going, okay, let's do that. Well, then why didn't you do any of it? So the Biden campaign just doesn't make any sense because he either didn't know how to do any of it or, or is lying about knowing how to do it or was just negligent all of those years. How do you get around that as a Biden supporter, please? Let me know. I, I would love to know what the thinking of is. If you're if you're a Biden supporter, if you think that this 77 year old man is the guy that is supposed to get us into the next uh, decade, if you think this is the man that's supposed to lead the country, then you got to explain. Well, why didn't he do any of these things? Why is he running against his base at some level? Right, he's running against the Bernie base, I suppose, and he's running against Obama. And, and it's like, you know, he does the thing that all the Democrats do. Hillary did it and Kamala does it all the time, which is every time someone makes a good point, they just laugh it off. They just smile, you know, they just smile because it's like they don't have to do anything because what he's smiling at, he's basically going, ha ha, you could say whatever you want, Don. The, the media ain't gonna call me out on it, right? They're not gonna call me out. My, my Twitter account isn't gonna be shadow banned. No, no bad story about me is, is gonna get buried. So it's like, ugh. God, it's all gross. Uh, okay, we got four minutes left and then I'm jumping over to the blaze. I'm gonna be on with uh, Glenn Beck in a few minutes. I think it's tequila time before we uh, throw to clip number five, which was, oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. There was, I told you, there were only a couple, couple zingers. This was an accidental self-zinger by Joe. Man, that is good. That is uh, Gran Reserva. 
Asombroso Ultrafino, 100% de agave. A little vanilla in there, I think. All right. Uh, so this is clip number five. And uh, yeah, we weren't going to get through a debate without mentioning Hitler. So let's talk about Hitler. Clip number five. Right. You and know, that's I... okay. You know what? North Korea, we're not in a war. We have a good relationship. You know, people don't understand. Having a good relationship Trump, with leaders of other countries is a, a good country. thing. We have a lot of questions to get yes. to. Not Your response. We had a good relationship with Hitler before he, in fact, invaded Europe. The rest of Okay. Okay. I want to read that one back to you. We had a good relationship with Hitler until he invaded Europe. Now, you might be thinking, but that was a long time ago, Joe. What are you talking about? I actually did the math. So I think he's talking about, if, let's say he's talking about roughly 1935, early Hitler. Uh, Joe got into the Senate in 1921, right? That was 100 years ago, roughly. And uh, so that means 14 the difference between 1921 and 1935. So for 14 years, Joe Biden was in the Senate because he was in in 1921. You see what I did there? And uh, apparently he had a good relationship with Hitler at the time. Um, look, it's another stupid line. It's a, it's a callous and inauthentic way of comparing Trump to Hitler. And, and it's, it's actually just kind of gross. It is just kind of gross. Anyway, in the, in the final minute here, um, I would say this, the fireworks ain't over. The fireworks seem to be subdued tonight, uh, but we have these 10 days left. Lord only knows what's going to come up. Um, but you really have to just think, think, think for yourself. You don't have to, Hey, I wrote a book. It was, you know, thinking for yourself in an age of unreason, right? Think for yourself and which, which future do you think is right? And I, I think you know where I fall on this thing. It's like, if you want any sort of America that seems kind of consistent to anything we've known, I think bizarrely, Donald Trump is the one that can save that thing. He's saving conservatism, conservatism obviously, as I said this morning, because he's doing conservative things, right? So if you're a conservative, you may not like the way he talks, but he is doing conservative things, and your guys never won. You tried it with McCain, you tried it with Romney. And oddly for the liberals, He's the one saving liberalism. Do you think Joe Biden is gonna stop critical race theory rampaging through the institutions? Do you think Joe Biden is gonna stand up to racial quotas that'll be coming to the federal institutions, that'll be coming to your job and everywhere else? No, Donald Trump did. So all of the things that make liberalism so wonderful in its truest sense, Trump is the one actually saving them. Do you think Biden can save these things? If you think Biden is the one, if you think Biden is the chosen one and he can not only do all of the things that he never did in the past, but also stop the oncoming white walkers who are coming. Uh, I think those were, they were the white walkers. I always fell asleep in the middle of that show, but the things that were coming, they were on their way and they were bad and there was a wall. If you think Biden is the guy that can do that, well then you should vote for Biden. But if, if you don't think he has the strength and fortitude to stand up to it, and you don't really understand why he didn't do any of the things he's promising in those 47 years, or why he didn't even do them in his eight years or any of that, well then you got a choice to make and, and that's where everybody will be left. So for any one of you that's watching this, that's on the fence, it's like, you gotta figure it out for yourself, man, as Joe would say, come on, man, figure it out for yourself. So think for yourself and uh, maybe we'll do a bonus show tomorrow. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. My producer, Michael, just looked at me like his head was going to explode. Maybe we'll do a Q&A tomorrow. Let's, let's see, just to follow up on all this stuff. Uh, join us at RubenReport.com. By the way, I, I did a live chat 
during the debate where I can actually talk directly to you guys because obviously the YouTube comment section, uh, although it's been pretty clean lately, I do quickly glance through it every now and again and you guys have been on point um, and we've been, it's been a little less trolly. It's obviously totally overwhelming to get in there. So I can communicate with you guys directly and respond to you directly at rubenreport.com. We've got live chat and ad-free video and all that good stuff. All right, I'm gonna be joining Glenn back in just a couple minutes over on the Blaze TV. Thanks for watching everybody and I hope you're not too wasted and I'll see you tomorrow.